You know, the youth do their own worship um, in, in, the, in the youth service, and it was just an amazing time, some um, amazing worship together, and just feeling just the presence of the Lord with our youth. You know, as, as Jenna said, God is doing something in our youth. Just to give you an idea, you know, at the start of the year, we were having on average 40 or 50 youth a, um, um, a Sunday. We're now up to about 90 or so. That God is bringing and drawing more, and let me just tell you, it's just the start. You know, I had a real sense as I was with them that they're like these hot coals. You know, they're burning bright. And I could just see these sparks flying out. And they're going to set revival fires up. And, you know, we, let's, let's all of us, not, it's very easy in this big place to think, well, we're the adults over here and the youth are over there. No, we're just one big family. You know, let's, we, many of you are called to be mothers and fathers to these youth. You know, spiritual parents to these guys. I want to be praying about what can that look like for you? Because there's a generation coming up that's going to be bold. They already are bold and courageous. And it's really exciting. We had Agnes up here a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? He was talking about how he was in Australia that year and how God said, turn right. And they said, okay, we'll turn right. And they walked into this, into this village and, they, uh, and he talked about Jesus to the chief there. And the chief became a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Because they had boldness. And by the way, isn't that... Isn't that um, encouraging for us that we need to be bold in our faith as well. So all of that to say, let's continue to pray for our youth. As Jenna said, they're away next weekend. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers this week as we cover them in prayer. So I had fun there last Sunday. And then this week, uh, the staff and some other leaders have been at the National Vineyard National Leaders Conference that we had in Nottingham for a Monday. We got back Friday, and that's where all of the, uh, the leaders of all the vineyard churches in the UK, and if you don't know about the vineyard, we... Uh, we're a movement, a denomination, if you like, of about 120 churches in the UK. There's about, oh, we got, look at that, awesome, thank you. We got a slide up for that. We have um, about 2,500 churches across the world in over six continents. And the Vineyard Movement was really founded uh, in the early 80s by a guy uh, called John Wimber and his wife, Carol Wimber. And it was really out of a move of the spirit. It's often termed the neo-charismatic movement in Signs and Wonders. And um, you can catch up with the, uh, you can actually watch a lot of these. If you go to YouTube, if you just, uh, or Google National Leaders Conference, you can see a lot of these streams. Um, you can see a lot of these talks. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing time. And you know what I loved? Um, John and Debbie Wright, who are the leaders of the uh, of Vineyard in the UK, John had got, they had gone out to California on holiday, and they took an opportunity to visit Carol Wimber and um, Bob and Penny Felton, who were one of the, uh, the early guys in, in, in the days back then, and they interviewed them. And I'm hoping we can get the video soon that we can show you. But what was amazing, it was great hearing all the stories of what God had did all those many, many years ago and how the vineyard was birthed. But I think the most, one of the most exciting bits was at the end. You see, John asked Carol Wimber, you know, what, what, what is the Lord doing now for us as a movement? What's, what's God saying? And Carol said, you know, I was in church a while ago and I felt the Lord saying that we needed to get ready. Excuse me that we need to get into our places because there's about to be a huge move of the spirit, a, a kind of a harvest time like no other. And that's what we've been saying here. And there is a sense that God is about to move big time, if you want to say it like that. The revival is coming. And we've looked, in fact, last year when we looked at revival, we looked at these, these extraordinary moves of the spirit producing extraordinary results and how God has moved in seasons. We're about to be in this season. And Carol Wimber said that God said that we're all like jigsaw puzzles. You know, we're all created uniquely because we all have our own place and our part to play. 
So all of that to say, get ready. Don't look around at other people and think, I wish I was like them, or why can't I be like them? No, God has created you in a particular way so that you can play your part. And for me, that was just so encouraging. And I'm like, yeah, I'm up for that. I want to be part of a move of God. I want to be part of what God's doing in this lifetime, in this generation. I don't want to be a generation that misses out. And so I say that to encourage you all, to encourage you all. And so it was an amazing week, and I I had the the privilege of leading a seminar, and I did some filming for Vineyard uh, Insights. And ordinarily, I uh, I prepare my talk, normally the Thursday before I preach, but uh, not this week. By the way, um, we're in the Encounter series, if you're wondering. We're going to have a come up on on the slide there. And uh, we've been looking at stories of encountering Jesus And they're not one-off encounters, they're encounters that transform. And a couple of weeks ago, I kicked off the series by looking at the five hallmarks of encountering Jesus. We looked at the story of the woman with the issue of blood and how she was healed. And then after that, excuse me, I looked at the uh, the story of the wedding in Cana when Jesus changed water into wine. And we looked at what that meant and we looked at an encounter with mercy. And then last week, the wonderful Wendy uh, did an amazing talk on Mary and Martha and encountering his presence, yeah, there's a whoop down here. If you were there, that was an amazing talk. And I'd encourage you to uh, listen to that if you missed it. You can catch up on our website, thevineyardchurch.co.uk, or our smartphone app. And I love some of the phrases. Wendy said that we are to behold, not behave. Isn't that amazing? This, being a Christian is not about behaving, it's about beholding Jesus, and then we change. You know, she said it's about his presence, not performance. I love that. It's not about good works. It's about being in his presence, and then the fruit will flow. If we got it all the wrong way around. So it was just an amazing talk. Thank you, Wendy. I'd encourage you to catch up on that. And so I'm up. And as I said, normally I get my talks done by the previous Thursday, and it was Thursday, and I had nothing. And in fact, the whole week, I was like, I'll slot it in somewhere. That somewhere never came. And I was like, oh, I'll preach on this, or I'll preach on this. And oh. So Thursday night, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to... People are going to want something. Well, I mean, you know, I could do what all charismatics do. If you don't know what to do, just have a ministry time. And if you don't know what to say, just say, come Holy Spirit. So we could just do that half for half an hour. I was like, no, I've got to feed the flock something, you know, so to speak. And uh, God gave me this verse. I thought, fantastic. I'm too tired to do this now. It's late. So I went to bed and got up Friday morning and thought, well, on Friday I was driving back. I thought, what am I going to say? I want to get home and... I don't want to have to be, anyway, so I was in the car driving back down the M1, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm feeling so tired. So I pulled over to, uh, to a service station and um, I thought, right, I, I know, I'm really tired. I'll get myself a coffee. My caffeine of choice is an Americano with hot milk, FYI, if you ever see me. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and I got a little panini thing toasted and I, I sat down in the Starbucks there and as I looked out the window, we had these cars rushing by and you had people all around and... And then uh, I had this verse in my mind. I'm like, Lord, I've got no idea what to talk on. I mean, I could do some exegesis. You know, I could unpack it probably quite methodically and provide something. I was like, but Lord, I just don't know what to say. Like, what's the main point? And I closed my eyes. No, I didn't. Before, do you know what I did? I went for my phone. I didn't even think about going for my phone. My muscle memory is very strong. <laughs> and I picked it up without even thinking. I f- clicked on the BBC app for the 50th time that day for no apparent reason. And even though the, the, the information was the same as I've always, I just flicked through. I'm like, what am I doing? This is not going to help. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the only one, come on. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? 
So I put the phone down. I go, this is just, um, what am I going to do? So I just closed my eyes and I said, you know, Jesus, I'm so tired. And, you know, he said to me in an instant, he said, you are Mark. It's like, open one eye. Can I see this? And I closed my eyes again. He said, I love your heart for me, he said. I love your passion for me, your zeal for me. But you rush. You don't spend enough time with me. I open my eyes. People still rushing around me. The cars hurtling down the M1. A perfect metaphor for my life, maybe yours. And I close my eyes again and I continue speaking to the Lord. And then all of a sudden I could see this verse come alive and I could finally say, I can see, Lord, why you're speaking to me first. And so the word I want to bring you is a word for me, but my prayer is and my thought is that it's probably a word for all of us. And so we're going to read in the scriptures a story of an amazing encounter and I'd like you to turn with me as we unpack it together. In uh, the book of John, Gospel of John chapter 1, and we're going to turn to verses 43 to 51. And this is, this is what came alive to me. And my prayer is, in fact, I'm going to pray now that it comes alive to each one of us. So it's John chapter 1. Let me pray. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes to what you're saying to us this morning. That we wouldn't just switch off in some kind of haze. We wouldn't go for our phone out of some strong muscle memory. But Lord Jesus, we would open our hearts and be willing to be challenged by your word this morning. Knowing that your word brings life. Knowing that as we align ourselves to your truth, that we are no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but we are renewed. And that is my prayer for each one of us this morning. Amen. All right, let's read this together. John chapter 1, uh, verses 43 to 51. It will be on the screen as well. It's Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to them, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? He wasn't northern, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approach and he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So what can we see from this? What can we learn from this? How is God speaking to us this morning? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves a question. What was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? Why a fig tree and why was he sitting there? You ever wondered that? Well, you see, I don't know if you know much about fig trees, but fig trees have these huge, luscious green leaves that, that provide the most perfect shade. And so I think it's fair to assume that, that Nathaniel was taking some rest from the heat of the midday sun. Resting, getting some shade, maybe tired, maybe weary, 
and getting out of that scorching sun. And you know, as, as I sat there at Newport Pagnell services, I'll give it that seven out of 10 actually. <laughs> I thought to myself, you know what? This place is my fig tree. Here I am trying to get some shade. For me, my fig tree moment was trying to get out of the scorching sun of weariness and tiredness, and if I'm honest, anxiety. Propping myself up with my caffeine of choice and trying to capture a a moment of rest. But I suspect I'm not the only one that needs those or looks for those fig tree moments. Anyone else need those fig tree moments? We all have those moments, don't we, like Nathaniel, where it just gets too much. The sun beating down on us and we just look for the leaves of a fig tree. We all have those moments when the sun gets too hot. And you know, your sun will be, if you like, different from my sun. Maybe your sun that's scorching you is fear. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe it is anxiety. Maybe it is habitual sin that just gets too hot. Maybe it's, and well, you can fill in the gaps. You know, we all have something, don't we, in our lives that just seems to get too hot and we need that shade of a fig tree. But let me ask you a question. What is your fig tree of choice? What's your fig tree of choice? When the going gets tough and the the sun beats down on you. You know, maybe it's box set binging. Just, just got to switch off. Maybe it's, I've got to have another glass of wine because it's the only way I can relax. Day in and day out. Maybe it's addiction to the like button and seeing your post because it gives you the boost of something that you, you need. Maybe it's seeking out food for the only comfort you can get. Maybe, maybe, maybe we all have fig trees, don't we, in our lives. But the thing about fig trees... And by the way, these things are not bad in of themselves. I love watching Netflix. You know, I like a glass of wine. I like all these things. The danger is and the issue is we have this cycle and this rhythm where we just go back to it and go back to it and think it's going to sustain us. We think that only if I get to that fig tree will I get out of the scorching sun. Only if I can get and just crash out, I'll be okay. But the problem with fig trees is they they will wither themselves. They were never designed to keep us out of the scorching sun forever. And so here we find Nathaniel, and he gets, we get into this pattern of what I call scorch and shade, scorch and shade. And that was me, scorch and shade, scorch and shade. But what happens here with Nathaniel? He has an opportunity to come out of the shade of the fig tree and go and walk with Jesus instead. And what I find interesting in this about this story is that it wasn't as if Nathaniel didn't know about Jesus, the Messiah. You know, when Philip said to him, we found the Messiah, he didn't say, what Messiah? There is going to be no Messiah. No, he, no, he didn't say that. He said, well, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I think for some of us, the problem we've got is, is that we say, well, we know about Jesus, but I'm fine under the fig tree. I'm fine, I know about Jesus, but here's the thing, head knowledge is not enough until we walk with Jesus. You can be under the fig tree and think you're under the shade of Jesus, but actually you just have head knowledge. 
But actually the invitation here was, come and see. Come and see. And I think for me, I've seen in my life, and I don't know about you, but I get into this habit of scorching shade and I'm like, well, you know, Jesus is there. I know about Jesus. But yet I seem to not want to walk with him. I seem to not want to come and see him. I seem to not want to experience the rest that he has for me. And we read Matthew 11 earlier, verse 28. And Philip, you see, he's very clever. He doesn't argue Jesus' case. He doesn't say, hold on a minute. No, actually, if you look at the scriptures, it turns out that Nazareth is quite important, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He, he, doesn't, bash, he doesn't bash Nathaniel with sound apologetics. He doesn't drag him into the kingdom on a technicality. What does he say? Come and see. And I kind of got wondering when I read this, I wonder how many Nathaniels I've got in my life that are just waiting for me to say, come and see. How many Nathaniels are in your world that need you just to say, hey, come and see? How many Nathaniels in your world are sitting under the fig tree trying to get a shade and all they're waiting for is for a Philip to say, come and see? And why was Philip able to do this? Because he had encountered Jesus. He had encountered Jesus himself and he wanted Nathaniel to see. It's almost like, come out under the shade, Nathaniel. There's something altogether more amazing, better than this. It's the Messiah, Jesus. Come and see, walk. You might think that the fig tree is going to give you what you need, but it's only temporal. You might think the fig tree is going to be there forever. It really isn't. You will find that eventually those leaves will wither and then you're left with what? Nathaniel, you better come and see. And you know, research is showing the fig trees of our daily lives are failing to solve the problems and issues of our daily lives. Because all it's doing is covering it up. The root issues are never dealt with. And we get into this cycle of scorch and shade, scorch and shade, scorch and shade. You see, the promise here is come and see Jesus and learn from him. And so what happens in this story? Nathaniel gets up, doesn't he? And he gets up and he goes and sees and he gets up and all of a sudden he's greeted by Jesus in a most extraordinary way. What has happened here? Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? You are Mark, Jesus said to me. I know your name. Shall I remind you that I created you? Shall I remind you that I knitted you together in, in your mother's womb? Shall I remind you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Shall I remind you, Mark, that I created you for relationship with me? Shall I remind you, Mark, that I know the very number of hairs on your head? Shall I remind you, Mark, that you are mine? And for some of you, you just need to hear your name from Jesus, that you are his. But then he goes on even further. He says, in whom there is no deceit. In other words, I also see into your heart, your very being, the, the motivation of your actions. You know, Jeremiah 17, nine, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jesus can understand it. You see, Jesus understands your heart. 
Jesus understands why you do these things, why you fall, why life is tough. And he says, I see your heart. I know you. You mean you get me? <laughs> you really get me, Lord? I remember growing up and hitting a certain age and I uh, remember one of my most frequent complaints were, you just don't get me, guys. Anyone else said that? You just don't understand why I do these things. You're judging me the wrong way. You just don't know me, you just don't get me. Don't ask me to do this, that and the other if you don't even know who I am. Don't ask me to imitate you and be good because you don't know why I do the things I do. You don't know the struggles that I face. In fact, people today still say, Mark, you should be doing that. Mark, you should be doing this. But you don't know my heart. Back there in the service station, you are Mark. And I love your heart for me, for your passion and your zeal. And how does Nathaniel respond? Verse 48, how do you know me? <laughs> And I tell you something, that is the cry of all of our hearts to be known. We've been created for relationship. And you see why people splash their lives upon Facebook and Instagram. And I've got nothing against these tools. They're great tools to be connected with people. But what happens is it's a place to be known because that is our heart cry. We want to be known, to be accepted for who we are and to be understood for who we are. And what I love about this encounter is that is how this encounter with Nathaniel and Jesus starts. Jesus says, I know who you are and I know your heart. He affirms the good that he sees in Nathaniel, doesn't he? He doesn't start with a laundry list of bad things. Hey, Nathaniel, I'm glad you came to see me. Number one, you're very lazy. Number two, you think a fig tree will do it. <laughs> number three, number four. And I think one of the reasons I sometimes don't go to Jesus as frequently as I should is because I think he's going to tell me off. Maybe I'm the only one. But what if when we went to Jesus and spent time in his presence, he just affirmed us? Because that's what Jesus says, come as you are. Now, it's not that the correction doesn't happen, and we read this in a moment. But you see, the correction comes after Jesus says, I know who you are. I love you for who you are. I get it. And I want to encourage you, don't hold back from spending time with Jesus because you're fearful of being bashed over the head. That isn't the Jesus that we love and that we worship. He's a Jesus that sees where you are. He sees your heart. And he goes on, if that wasn't enough, he says, verse 48, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. Oh, my word. So hold on. You know my name. You know what's in my heart. And you see exactly where I am. Wow, in this one line, Jesus knows our name, that we were created for him. He knows what's in your heart, and he sees exactly where you are. Isn't that amazing and profound? Isn't it amazing to know that Jesus knows where you go for your shade? He knows your fig trees of choice, and yet he still seeks you out. Don't let shame and guilt cause you not to run to Jesus. He already knows, <laughs> and yet he still seeks you. That's the kind of Jesus that we worship. We behold, not behave, to use Wendy's phrase. We spend time in his presence. It's not about performance. 
And I want to encourage you this morning that if you've been in a cycle of scorch and shade, scorch and shade, you say, well, I can't go to Jesus now. He knows my fig tree. He knows your fig trees. And yet he's calling you. But then Jesus corrects Nathaniel. You believe because I told you I saw you. Ouch. But then Jesus said, this is nothing. Now what was Jesus doing? Was he boasting? Did he go in to talk about the amazing miracles? This is nothing. <laughs> Watch what's about to happen in the wedding at Cana. That is going to be impressive. I'm going to change some water, a little old water, into some wine. That is impressive. Did he say, watch what happens what I do with Lazarus. He's going to die, Lazarus, and I'm going to raise him from the dead. That is impressive. Knowing where you sit, eh, you know, so-so. He doesn't do that. This is what Jesus says. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, the signs aren't the greatest. They just point to the glory of God. And you see, that is what it is about to encounter Jesus. It's about seeing his glory and walking with him and having relationship. You know, when he beckoned Nathaniel, he didn't say, there's going to be some much better miracles to come. You want to watch this? No. He was saying to Nathaniel, come and see and walk with me and see the glory of God together. That's what it means to encounter Jesus. An encounter isn't a one-off experience. An encounter is a lifelong transformation as we walk with Jesus. And what happened? Nathaniel got up and he followed Jesus. And we know that he became the apostle Bartholomew, that he was there till the end, walking with Jesus. And so as I continued my conversation with the Lord back there in Newport Pagnell, as I closed my eyes, I said to Jesus, but how can I, Lord? How can I? And he just said to me, come and see, come and see. You see, when we walk with Jesus, we learn from him. We're his apprentices. You know, when we were at the conference, we had a speaker, John Mark Como, who spoke, and um, he was talking a lot about this kind of stuff, and I've been inspired to think about it. And he used this term that, as we apprentice with Jesus, we find that the pattern and the rhythm of Jesus' life was retreat and return. Retreat into the arms of the Father and pray and spend time in his presence. And not just get one mi a, a minute, but in fact, the more he became public in his profile, the more time he spent with the Father. And so what I want to propose to you, and I'd invite the band up at this stage, that rather than a pattern of scorch and shade, scorch and shade, we need to get into a pattern of retreat and return. Because the fig tree of your choice will never last. We need to be intentional in our walk with Jesus and we need to say, Lord, if, you're, if you're saying come and see and walk with you, Jesus, then I better walk with you. I feel so personally challenged by my experience on the, on the service station. Because even in the fig tree, I can say, well, I know about Jesus. It is not enough. Your head knowledge is not enough. This invitation to walk with Jesus is a personal invitation of relationship. It means that we need to spend time in quietness and in solitude and in silence sometimes. It means we need to have contemplative prayer. There's a time for prayer of intercession. There's a time for prayer of supplication. What, a time, what about a time of just being in his presence?
and rest in. You know what's interesting is that the Jews will, will see, and you can see this through the Old Testament, that their day started in the evening. It was from the evening to the next evening. Why? Because their day started with rest in him. And they woke up into a day that God was already working. Why is it that we have the start of the week as the Sabbath? Because it starts with resting in him, retreating to him in order that we can return. And I want to encourage you and say, get out of your fig tree of choice and walk with Jesus. Why don't we just stand together? Thank you, Lord.